Hey everybody, and welcome to the Harvest Community Church Podcast. We hope this message today brings you encouragement and inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out at harvesttn.com. Enjoy the message. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We've been talking about, and we're going to continue to talk about our kingdom identity. Last week we saw as our we saw our identity as what? Remember? Correct, sons and daughters. For those of you online, you couldn't hear it, but everybody in one big roar said sons and daughters. <laughs> we see ourselves, that is our identity. Regardless of how you have been seeing yourself, the thing that I'm encouraging you to do is that you begin to see yourself as God has created you to be in your new identity and walk that out. The world is waiting on a people who discover their identity, who discover who they really are. For too long, we've kind of lived under the idea that it's all that Christianity is all about getting saved. It's about receiving Jesus as your Savior, and then you just kind of try to hang on till, till you get to heaven. So it's about getting saved and then going to heaven. It's about, it's about not going to hell for some people. For some people, it's not even about going to heaven. They don't even want to go to heaven. They don't care about heaven. They just don't want to go to hell. Um, and, and in reality, that's not what salvation is. If you've never received Jesus, the biggest issue is not where you're going, it's where you are. We talk so much about you need to get saved so you don't go to hell. But there's so much more than just where you're going someday, it's where you are now. Because if you're not born again, you are enslaved. You're a slave to sin. You're a prisoner to sin, to a, to a sinful nature. You're enslaved or a prisoner to your own emotions, to, de, to the desires of your body and whatever your body wants, and it's going to try to drag you on to your emotions and to your feelings. So your whole life is about getting up and how you feel that day is what your day is going to be like. And, and, and if you feel good about yourself, then great. If you feel bad about yourself, then that leads your entire day. See, all of that is a part of not being saved, not being a child of God. So for now, for this moment, it's not just about where you are going or not going. It's about the very condition or state of life that you live in now. Being saved is not just about going to heaven. It is about receiving the fullness of God inside of you now. Peter said it's the very nature of Christ himself living in us. The divine nature of Christ living in us. And when you've been born again, Jesus, Jesus when Jesus began to teach, he taught about the kingdom of God, right? Right? He taught about the kingdom of God. And it wasn't a kingdom that was going to come someday. It was the kingdom that was there in that moment in him. And for every born-again person, that 
kingdom becomes a part of who you are. You are a citizen of his kingdom. And that kingdom is to be walked out in this earth. It's not just something that we do later in Jesus' prayer. And I know some of this is repetition, but it's okay because we've got to get it. We've got a world out there that's waiting to be changed. And until we're changed and we change the way we think and we change our mind, nothing is ever going to change out there. If we come in here and we hear preaching and teaching and then we go out there and nothing has changed, nothing's going to change anywhere ever. So what God's got to do is convince us or what we, he doesn't have to convince us, what we have to do is look into his word and be convinced of who we are and what we have been given for now, right now, to walk out in this world that we live in. And that can be life-changing. And what we get here should affect your Facebook status. I mean, am I right? If, if what you come in here and get and you walk back out there, does it change the way you talk to your husband or your wife? Does it change your Facebook status? Does it change your relationship with your children? Does it change your relationship with the people that you work with and go to school with? If what we say Jesus really did does not change any of that, then I would say that there is no Jesus. I would say Jesus doesn't even exist. I would say there is no Holy Spirit. I would say there is no God. And we've just all been thrown into this earth and we're helpless to be to be slaves and prisoners of whatever our bodies and our minds want to do. But that's not the case. Something has to happen. When we are born again, our spirit is changed forever. When we are born again in our spirit, we're made completely holy and we're made completely righteous. In our spirit, we look just like Jesus as far as the Father is concerned. In our spirit, we have already been made mature. We've already been made perfect. Everything that we need to live in this life is already in our spirit. It would be like going on a journey, and, and whoever is sending you on the journey takes a backpack and fills it with every single thing that you need for that journey and a promise that there is nothing that you will run into on this journey that will surprise the sender. He knows what's ahead and he's going to pack you with everything you need to get there. And yet we walk out into this world as if our God has sent us out into a world without everything that we need or sometimes anything that we need to live this life and to walk it out in him. And how many of you know that he has given us everything? See, you can have a backpack on, and you can be on the journey, and you can have critters and creatures just beat you up and tear you up, and, and, and you can live with, with no food and starving to death, and somebody can find you somewhere laying half dead and bring you back to the cinder, and you look at the cinder and say, you let me down, you didn't give me everything I needed, and he would say, why didn't you open the backpack? All you had to do was open the backpack. Well, I opened the backpack. But did you open the book that tells you how to use everything in the backpack? Are you with me? God has so much better. 
And so what I hope and pray is that everybody here today and everybody listening to me, that we stop this craziness of, I just want to get saved so I don't go to hell. And you look at your condition currently, the way you are right now, and that should be enough to compel you to Jesus. If you look at the decisions you have made in your own life, that should be enough to compel you to Jesus. And you said, but I'm a good person. I made good decisions. And I, I dare say that, that many, if you have been under the right influences in your soul, we do have the ability to choose. But I promise you, if you look at it far enough and deep enough, you will find that your current condition is not what you really want it to be. And if you're weighing your current condition on your prosperity and your popularity, then I promise you this, you may be satisfied now, but it's not going to be too long that you will no longer be satisfied because those things cannot satisfy forever. It's temporary. It's temporary. Romans chapter 12. How do we get, how do we discover, how do we know what it is that we have been given? How do we know how we're supposed to walk this out? How do we know what it looks like? Let me say this before I read that. I know, I'm going to preach three sermons before I ever read the scripture. The writer... Of this, there's two writers, kind of, if you want to look at it like this, of the passage that we're about ready to read. God himself, as the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write the scriptures. And the apostle Paul, as he has yielded himself and presented himself to God to be the one that God is using in this moment to write the scripture. And if you look in, and let me just look at the uh, first couple words here, look what he says. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. He's talking to believers. This is us. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he's talking to us, and he says, I urge you. That word uh, urge means, how many of you have ever been summoned to court? Anybody? And so what do they, what, when you receive that summons, when, when the sheriff or the constable or whoever it is that shows up at your door and they knock on the door and they hand you a summons, what are they doing? They are urgently demanding that you show up in court on this certain day. That word urgent means that. That's the essence of the word in the Greek. It means an urgent summons for something. The Apostle Paul is saying the Holy Spirit is summonsing you and I am summonsing you to this place that I'm about to tell you about. I am inviting you strongly to come to this place, brothers and sisters. Paul, when you think about this man who wrote it, because he's going to talk to us about transformation. He's going to talk to us about being transformed into the image of Christ. 
He's going, to be, he's going to talk to us about what that looks like, how to get there. He's going to talk to us about it. The beautiful thing is when you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, is there any greater example of someone who experienced transformation? I want to read what he has to say. Even if the Holy Spirit had not inspired what he is writing for it to be put in the canon of Scripture, I still want to hear it because Paul is going where I want to go, been where I want to be, and so he's teaching us. But how, how, when you look at him, how do we know? If you look at Acts chapter 9, you go back to the story of Paul. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. How many of you remember? He was a persecutor of Christians. He, even, he was even responsible for the murder of Christians, particularly one great Christian spirit-filled man by the name of Stephen. Not only did Paul encourage his murder and his stoning, but he stood by and held the coats while they did it. That was Saul. Beat, persecuted, imprisoned believers of Jesus Christ, followers of Christ. That man is the one that's, that man is the former man of the one that we're going to learn from this morning. Are you with me? So he goes on this journey, and Jesus pretty well kind of gets, let me say it like this. I don't know if this is the way it was, but it gets ticked off a little bit. It's like, man, this guy, he just keeps on and on and on after my kids. He won't leave them alone. So Jesus comes. And he comes in the presence of Saul with such light and power that at his very voice, Saul is knocked to the ground. And now he's in this moment of what is going on, and he says, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you have persecuted. I think it's pretty awesome that Jesus says, I'm the one that you've been persecuting. And I'm sure Paul's sitting there saying, how can I persecute you? You're not even alive. But in other words, you pick on my kids, you're picking on me. Are you with me? See, see you pick on my kids, you're picking on me. How many of you would say the same thing? I mean, there's some of you sweet little tiny mama bears in here, but somebody picks on your kid and all of a sudden you become like ninja Christian lady, devil fighting something other. You know what I'm saying? In that moment, Saul becomes a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. And I won't tell the whole story. don't have time for it. You can read it. Go to Acts chapter 9. Beautiful, beautiful story. But in that moment, he becomes a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, and his life is changed forever. And then Jesus takes him, and he steals him away for a few years as he pours out inspiration. Paul said, Paul said, I didn't learn all this because somebody taught me. He said, I learned this by direct revelation of Jesus Christ himself. All of the writings of Paul, he, he learned that from direct revelation of Jesus himself. 
and his life was changed forever. This is the one who did not follow Jesus, who is now a Jesus follower, and he's going to teach us how to follow Jesus. And when you read his writings, everything that Paul is teaching, including what we're going to read right now, when we get to it, and I promise we will, when we read what he's writing right now, all of that is for the purpose of renewal, to make our mind new. Paul is talking to the Romans about making their mind new while he's talking to us about how to make our mind new and to be transformed. Now, let's look at verse 1 and see how far we get. I have not made I have not committed to anything today, okay? So if we get through five words, we get through five, ten, we'll just see. We're on a journey. Now, Saul, who has become Paul, is writing. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, believers. In the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Now, I want you to notice, he says, uh, in the view of God's mercy, I, I summon you in the view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. When you think about the mercy of God, in the view of the mercy of God, he's not saying, listen, God, he, what he's saying is, I want you to take a moment and think about what, how God's been merciful to you. Because the result of that should be your will choosing to say, here I am, every bit of me, all of me, nothing withheld. Here's my spirit. Here's my soul. Here's my body. Here's all of me. He said, when you look in the view of the mercy of God, there should be only one response, and that response should be giving your entire self, surrender of the entire self to God. How has God been merciful to you? Every person in this room has received the mercy of God. Every person in this room, you're here because of the mercy of God. You're breathing because of the mercy of God. And I'm not just talking about in your physical body. In the mercy of God, He has not held our sin against us. He is not holding our sin against us that is the mercy of God. And there's some of you in here right now, you don't think you've sinned too bad, so it's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. And there's some of you right now thinking, oh my God, mercy that big, I praise you. But can I tell you that the pride and the arrogance that would compel you to say, I haven't really needed as much mercy as some people. Says you don't understand the mercy you've been given. His mercy even stands in him not condemning you for your pride. 
and your arrogance. That's big. For your self-centeredness. For your selfishness. And I don't mean to pick on you, and I don't mean to make you feel bad, but I need you to see that we, we, have, we have received a mercy that is beyond anything that, is, that we could ever imagine. The mercy that we have received that we are still alive. Somebody asked, we were talking the other day, somebody asked me a question you know, about before I got saved. Now, it's, it's only by the mercy of God that I'm alive or not in prison. Like many of you, as a teenager, I made some horrible decisions. But I'm, I'm, I'm here. And it was very shortly after my teen years before I came to Jesus and realized, man, this is the awesome life. And I wish I'd chosen it earlier. Anybody know your mercy, the mercy? In the view of the mercy? And then he says, offer your body, your entire self. Yes, he's talking about your physical body, but he's also talking about everything within your physical body. If you take your physical body and you lay it on an altar, it's not just your physical body there. Your soul is there. Your spirit is there because it's all encased in this earth suit that we've been given to live in, right? And so he says, in the view of the mercy of God... The only response should be to put ourselves on the altar of God, to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice that's fully surrendered. A sacrifice is fully surrendered. You remember what Jesus said? If you want to be my disciple, if you want to be my disciple, Jesus said, then here's what you need to do. You might remember the first one. Deny yourself. That's tough. When we're only doing it from a soulish realm without the Holy Spirit being involved. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. What is that? That's full surrender. The cross, full surrender, and follow me. I don't think Jesus even understood a, a disciple, a, a, someone who walked with them apart from those things. So we kind of we make it an option. Well, you know, just, you can either just get saved and stay there or you can come over here and become a disciple. But from Jesus' way of thinking, when you choose to follow him, here are the things that come along with that. Right? Is anybody tracking with me? Surrender. Denying self. The beautiful thing is, is we've always looked at that from a negative point of view, and it's not a negative, it's a positive. Because we don't know how to run our life. We make a mess of our life. We don't know how to make the right decisions. There, before we're born again, there's a sin nature pumping out all kinds of things. There's a world system and a culture out there that's feeding everything that your sin nature wanted. 
It's not a negative, it's a positive. It, do you mean that there is a life that I can experience and I can walk in that does not have me driving? Because every time I drive my life, I end up in a ditch somewhere? Yeah, there is that life. And it comes, begins with being born again. It begins with the old sin nature being gone, the new nature of Christ being put inside of you and everything that comes with that, the backpack, everything that comes with that. And now we can walk in him in his fullness. But how, how do we get there? How do we get there? Well, it's a little thing called transformation. Look at... Verse 2. Well, before I go to verse 2, I, I, and I know this makes it so rough on, on, on the ones doing the scriptures online because it's like, oh, here he goes. And they put it on. And whoop, no, he pulled it. Okay, take it off. Don't wait. But in, he said something about uh, that, that offering our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He said, this is your true and proper worship. How do we just skim by and say, you know, I'm gonna, I, I serve this amazing God, but I'm not going to give him his true and proper worship? How do we do that? He's so deserving of our true and proper worship, isn't he? And then he goes on, and I am reading at this time, verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the way the culture functions. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will or what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. So I want you to notice a word. If you're a writer or a circler, uh, do not conform to the world. That's, he's telling us what not to do there. And then he goes on to say, but be, be transformed be being transformed if you're not going to be conformed to the see religion teaches us to not be conformed to the world religion teaches us you need to stop this you need to stop this and you need to stop that and you need to, religion is continually trying to teach us to or teach us not to be conformed the problem is, as many of us have worked so hard on not conforming that we never entered into the stage of transformation. And transformation has to be a part of this process. Or you'll live your entire life with a sin consciousness, walking around always trying not to sin. You get up in the morning, you start your day, I hope I don't sin today, I hope I don't do that again. And you do it again, and you do it again, and you mess up again. And, and all because... Religion taught us only half of this. Religion says don't. But there is something that we need to do. And so he says to be transformed and then circle that little word by. 
Because if he tells us that there's something I want you to do, I want you to be transformed, then we need to know how, right? We need to know that process. How does that happen? And so he says, by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. I want you to listen to, I'm going to read this, and and you all won't have this upstairs, so don't worry about it. I'm just going to read it so you can hear it with your ears. This is the Passion Translation, same verses. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercy? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and to live in holiness. And let me tell you, that word holiness, it it means to... Holiness has been so messed up by religion. To so many people, holiness is merely not showing skin, not wearing makeup, not wearing jewelry, not wearing pants if you're a lady. Not wearing dresses if you're a man. <laughs> Holiness is means set apart. Set apart by God for his purpose. You're to be set apart. And holiness starts in inside. Now we're going to re- all this renewing is to bring us into the character of Christ. There, there should be integrity. There should be character. There should be good morals. All of that comes, but that can't be the starting place. That has to be the result of the starting place. Good morals and good character is the result of Jesus Christ inside of us and us dying to sin, having a new nature put in us. That's the, the outside is a result of what has happened on the inside. That's the reason so many people in, in, in religion today, in churches today, are rededicating two and three times a week because they don't understand that it's an inside thing. I can remember having doing revival services, and I can remember going to them, and I'll tell you right now, if it was about the number of people coming to the altar, I could preach a sermon here this morning and make every one of you feel so guilty about something and make you feel like you're going to split hell wide open if you don't get yourself up on this altar. Now, it wouldn't work in this room because you all been taught better. You see what I'm saying? You all been taught better than that. But in a lot of places, that's all it takes. All I have to do is stand up here and, and, and spout out condemnation and make you feel guilty. But we've been taught that we're not under condemnation. Our guilt is gone. We're not going to walk around with a sin consciousness. We're going to walk around with a Christ consciousness. We're going to walk around filled with the Holy Spirit, not filled with lust and, and evil desires. And that is life-changing. Everybody poke the person beside of you and say, that was good. No, really, go ahead and poke them. 
I mean, with your elbow, poke them. Because the real whole purpose in the poking had nothing to do with that being good. It had to do with waking up your neighbor so we can finish this thing out. Verse 2, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Stop imitating the ideals and the opinions and the opinions and the opinions and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, a beautiful life, a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. That's the life he wants for us. That's a beautiful life. But transformation has to be a part of it. Let me read a verse to you real quickly. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. He saved us not because of of the righteous things that we had done but because of his mercy. There's that word mercy again. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So where does the new birth come from? Go ahead. Risk it. I'll give you a hint. H-S. Say it out loud. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us our new birth. And where, who is responsible for renewal? Y'all are going to fail this class miserably. The answer is right in front of you. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. So before we go into this thing thinking this is only an intellectual pursuit, if we just get smarter, if we just learn more scripture, if we just get on this intellectual pursuit and changing our mind and get more information in our mind and become more educated about Christian things, then that that's going to be renewal. You will be mistaken. It's not an intellectual pursuit. It's a spiritual pursuit but you are a spiritual person. See, we have divided everything up to the point to say, spiritual, I realize that there is something spiritual going on in my life, and so I'm going to go to church on Sunday to get that spiritual thing going on, but then I'm going back into a physical world to live in a physical world where I need physical knowledge, where I need to know what the knowledge is going out there so that I can survive in this culture. You are a spiritual being. You are a spirit with a soul and living in a body. But we live this world like we're just a soul with a body and that's all there is. You're going to live forever. Your spirit will never die. Never. And God wants us to live out of our spirit and what he's done in our spirit on the job. In the classroom, in our home, in our community. Does this make sense? 
This is not something confined to four walls. That's what religion did to us. It stunted our growth. But I'm telling you, there's something better. Be transformed. I don't have to go and tell you about not being conformed. We know that. But we need to be transformed. Transformation, let me just give you a couple verses and then I'm all, and then we're going to be done. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. No, stop it. Somebody laughed. Who was that? I really will be done. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled faces, that's, that's every believer, now we are able to see, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into his image. What are we to be transformed into? Not just a better you. Not just a better version of you. We're to be transformed into his image. But he made you uniquely. He created you and he doesn't want to take that away. One of the things I love about watching my grandbabies and I enjoyed it with my kids is they all have such unique personalities. And, and, and each one of them is so precious. And a healthy mom and dad can appreciate those differences and actually help them and inspire them in those differences. An unhealthy mom and dad will get mad because this one's not like me or that one's not like me. Our father never looks at us and says, I wish you were like you and you were like you. He made you. He created you. He created you with that precious, special little personality. But he wants that personality to function in the image of Christ. Are you tracking with me? This will change your life if you ever, if you, I mean, really, it, this will change your life when you get it. Change into, into his image with ever-increasing glory. That ever-increasing is progressive, right? It's a progression, increasing, ever increasing. It increased today, it'll increase again tomorrow. It'll increase again the next day. When we are on this journey with the Lord, and, and I love this, what he says uh, when he's talking about um, contemplating the Lord's glory, as we look into the face of God and we walk with him day by day, transformation happens. When we get into the light and into his presence, transformation happens. When we gaze into the face of our Lord and Savior, spiritually in prayer, transformation happens. It happens increasingly with increasing glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly, this body, we are wasting away, yet inwardly, we're being renewed. How often? Day by day. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody gave me an alarm to let me know. It's time to shut up. <laughs> I've always been so rebellious with those things, though. See, I was going to stop. Now I've got to preach 30 more minutes. Stop it. <laughs> with ever-increasing glory. Day by day. What does that tell us? 
Transformation is something that has to be a continual process. Are you with me? Yes, when you were born again, your spirit was completely made alive and transformed. But now, all of that that he has done inside of you needs to work its way into your soul. You put your body as a living sacrifice, everything in it, but with your body, our temptation is to live by emotion, to live by our feelings. How many of you live by your feelings? Your feelings dictate what you do. Your feelings about somebody else dictate how you treat them. Therefore, we get passive-aggressive behavior. We get anger. You allow your feelings to dictate how your day is. But when we take our whole self and we lay it on his altar as a sacrifice, we're telling our body, we're telling our soul, your will is telling your body and your soul, I am fully surrendered to the Lord that I may walk in his fullness and in his glory. It's a decision. It starts with the decision to say, I choose to renew my mind. I choose to renew my mind. The Holy Spirit's going to do the work. But I choose to put myself in the environment where the Holy Spirit is able to transform me day by day with ever-increasing glory. One of the things that we did here a long time ago is we decided that what we were going to create environments because you can't make people follow Jesus, but we wanted to create environments that would encourage you to do it. Create an environment where the Holy Spirit is free to, to, to renew your mind and transform you. Create an environment where you walk with the Lord day in, day out, all day long and your prayer life is not confined to 10 minutes in the morning with your eyes closed and your head bowed but your prayer life is about a, an ongoing conversation that lasts all day long with a Father who loves you and wants your day to be better than you want your day to be. To get into His Word and not be bound and imprisoned by what this culture tells us we're supposed to act like or be like, to, to not be bound and imprisoned to the opinions of the culture, but to find ourselves in the Word of God, looking into the mirror of the Word of God and letting Him show us what we look like and who we are, and then we begin to walk that out. Not bound 
in fear to have to think the way the world tells us we have to think and the way popular culture tells us we have to think. And even if they decide to cancel you, Jesus will never cancel you. In a cancel culture where if you don't say it the way they want you to say it just perfectly the right way or if you say something wrong that they don't like what you say, they will cancel you. You're never canceled. Jesus never cancels you. Don't you get haughty and full of pride and mean toward people? I don't care if you cancel me. You don't have any power over me. Look what Jesus did when Pilate told him he was going to cancel him. And he stood in silence. And then he kindly and lovingly shared with him, I understand what you're saying, but I'm not of this world. The world is waiting on your church. The world is waiting on us. Father, we praise you. Jesus, we want to be like you. We want to walk and live in your image. And we want to be transformed day by day and we present ourselves into environments where you are able to make us look more like Jesus day by day. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you've enjoyed listening, be sure to hit the subscribe button and rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you again next week.